0: Well, welcome back. This is your go to podcast for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. Together, through these inspiring and honest and vulnerable interviews, we'll see how our ordinary and even messy moments can become platforms for the miraculous. And today, I am with my special guest and friend, Pamela. Christian. For over 25 years, Pamela has compassionately helped people discover and live in life giving truth. She's an award-winning author, radio and television host, keynote speaker, and award-winning blogger. She's an ordained minister. She was awarded an honorary doctorate of divinity from the HSBN International Fellowship of Ministries. She holds a certificate in Christian apologetics from Viola University. She's a member of the International Society of Women in Apologetics and a board member with Advanced Writers and Authors Services. Wow, I don't know when she sleeps, right? Of all she does through her ministry, her greatest joy is to speak in person where she can connect with her audience. And make sure you visit her at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. I'll include her links and ways you can connect with her to book her to speak for you in my show notes. So welcome, Pamela. I am so excited you're here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Angela. I really appreciate it. You know, and we've connected through some mutual friends, and what I didn't mention in your bio is that you are the president and founder of EKS Exceptional Keynote Speakers.
1: Exceptional Keynote Speakers was a brainchild that was birthed several years ago, and it was officially launched in March 2020,
0: and we we expect great
1: things ahead.
0: Well, I love it. I'm honored to be a part of it. And, you know, I know a little bit about you through that and through just our conversations over the last... Few months, but you know, tell us more about you. Where you're from? I know you're a foodie. I know you love to cook. You're from California. I'm on the East Coast, so share a few things about you, and then I want to just dig into hearing your story today. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I am a foodie. (laughs) I have been for a long time. (laughs) I love to
1: cook and entertain, and I found a way to even weave that onto my blog. I have faith family, friends, and food Hmm. is a feature of my blog, and I have a a new recipe each month that I put out there. Most of them are original recipes. I even owned a catering company for a while, so that's how into it I got, but you know, there's nothing like uh, gathering together with friends and family over a meal. I mean, it's something that the Lord certainly instituted a number of feasts, so celebrating together Uh, with friends and family, uh, talking about the Lord, enjoying some delicious
0: food is really a privileged situation. Do you have a favorite, like, kind of food? My husband's a great Italian cook. Do you have a favorite recipe or a favorite kind of food you love to make? Well, I would imagine with your last name, Italian would be the key. Exactly.
1: I I also love Italian food, but I have to say lately, since we've been uh, sequestered at home, sheltering at home with this COVID-19, that i'm cooking um, a wider variety of things and we've really enjoyed the asian foods
0: as of lately so yum i want to come over i'll have to hop a plane right all the way over to california that would be what it would take but you're welcome anytime well, I want to talk a little bit about your story. I know that you are a survivor of sudden cardiac arrest, which I really want to hear that. And I, I know you're making your life matter for the kingdom in so many ways, your books, your resources. So, you know, share a little bit about some seasons you've walked through that, that you know God sustained you through them and how you've seen some miracles in the middle of all of it that you've been through, Pamela.
1: Yeah, there's actually been several uh, in my life that are pretty significant. Uh, The first one that I would have to recall is the birth of my son. We actually had our daughter first and then lost a baby. And then we had our son born seriously premature. Mm -hmm. And at the time in which he was born, the technology wasn't nearly as advanced for premature babies as it is today. He was at the time in the neonatal level three ward. And in that ward, the doctors said he was the most critical of all the babies. So I was, as any mother would be, in earnest prayer, uh, wanting very much for our son's life to be spared. Mm. The doctors didn't know what to do. They actually put him in uh, some experimental treatment. We had to sign off on the treatment. And the treatments were had the potential of leaving our son blind or mentally retarded and a number of other issues. But in God's wisdom, this particular baby, our son Gregory, was miraculously healed and has everything normal about him, with the exception of his chest. His chest is a little bit con- concave because the mm-hmm. lungs were underdeveloped, but God came through very miraculously with our son. And then after that, there we it's a, it's a little bit of a long story, but Given that there's so many people right now who are under or unemployed who've lost their jobs, mm. I mean, I want to encourage them. My husband and I, uh, we, we did well. We were both uh, good six-figure income earners. I had my own company. My husband's well-educated, has his degrees. We've done quite well in our careers. And we moved to a brand-new community for a job opportunity that was given to my husband that really was a dream of a job that we later turned out was a dream, one that you would call a nightmare, <laughs> My husband was hired to rescue a project. It was a a multi-planned community with a golf course and whatnot, and he was was called in to rescue the project, to save the project. And within one year, my husband realized that the project was not doing well because the financial partner was doing fraudulent business. And within the year, uh, the government seized the project on seven counts of fraud. and that meant that everyone was left unemployed even though it was no fault of my husband or the company my husband worked for because they were the managing partners nonetheless everybody was left unemployed this was in the early 90s when the economy uh, in america was horrible absolutely horrible and no one had the staying power just like today people don't have the the finances to fall back on or opportunities or positions to fall back on and our family was forced to sell everything we could live without. Uh, We cashed in our children's savings bonds before they matured. Uh, We had a home that we originally purchased in Huntington Beach that we were forced to sell, and this was in a down market, so we didn't do as well on it as we could have. We were the people who used to help others. Now, we ourselves were receiving groceries and checks and cash from people who took pity on us and wanted to help us. It was very, very humbling, and, I share all this because I know the emotional, mental, physical, and even spiritual impact that we're going through right now as not only a nation, but a world. And I want to encourage the people who are without the income that they'd known, uh, without any understanding of how they're going to move forward. I've been there. And the only thing that got us through was a steadfast, Resolute faith in God, belief in God being who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. That doesn't mean it was without severe difficulty. Mm. But Angela, we went through what turned out to be four years of under and unemployment. Wow! I don't wish that on anybody. But God saw us through. There were miracles that occurred every now and then in that four-year period of time that sustained us and that actually grew our faith. As a family, we're stronger than ever as a result of it. And the day did come when my husband was gainfully employed and we were actually able to purchase a house again. So I want anybody who is experiencing under and unemployment during these devastating times to take heart. And if I can help in any way, I extend myself to people to help.
0: You know, I so appreciate you sharing that because I feel like it does take such a toll on your emotional and mental health, you know and, and it 's almost like a stigma that 's attached to it that, like you said, through no fault of your own that that happened and i 'm curious, is there a practical step that you took during that time that you could share that maybe helped you know I, I read a statistic last week with all that we 've gone through with this pandemic that if you saved a thousand dollars over let's say the course of a year, you set aside a hundred dollars a month, for example, that you would be ahead of forty percent of Americans, meaning that forty more than sixty percent of Americans do don't save anything you know, they don't even have a month's rent saved. And so we hit something like a pandemic and we don't have the resources to pull from. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious is, and I know you said God sustained you. And, and of course he's, he's so miraculous in his provision, but from a practical standpoint for people that may be hearing this thinking, well, I'm digging myself out now of a hole or loss of income or, or, you know, what I've built my whole life savings into this business. Was there a practical step or two, Pamela, that really helped you and your husband to kind of come through that season? You know, we had done everything by the
1: book. When my husband became unemployed, we had done everything the way you should to try to build your your financial portfolio. We were not in debt. Our credit was good. We had savings. We had done things correctly. The fact that it hit us uh, was evidence that tragedy and hardship is no respecter of persons. So, yes, of course, there are many things we can do to try to be practically prepared. But pain and suffering and the evil that's in this world is an equalizer. It can happen to anyone at any time. And I would say that more than the practical steps, because most of us can think what we need to do practically, the toll for us was really the emotional and the mental, the relational, stresses that we uh, incurred not to mention even the stress on our faith Mm. the only thing that I could it, it happened I was a bible study teacher at the time I taught for community bible study for seven years so publicly I had a weekly opportunity to provide lessons from the bible and life application I was in a position visibly to walk the talk to really live out what I was teaching and I remembered praying to the Lord and asking the Lord what should I do you know we We're in a brand new community. We didn't have any family. I didn't have childcare help. And as a lot of mothers know, a lot of times when we go to work, all of our money is spent for childcare. So we were in a real big dilemma. And I could see how difficult our life was confident that we were in God's will. We were doing everything we knew to do before the Lord. And I got to thinking, you know, if I were to not do what I believe is the Lord's will and go to work, uh, try to solve the problem myself, I would get myself outside of God's will. And if things were as bad as they were in his will, imagine how bad they could get outside of his will. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So the key is to really get on your knees, stay before the Lord, stay tuned to the Holy Spirit, be obedient to what he has to say, accept that he's a good, loving father that has only your best in mind and that he promises to see you through. Trust in the Lord. Let him see you through it. And I, he will because his character has revealed itself time and time again.
0: That's so great. And I was really struck when you said that. I think sometimes we think we can be in a, uh, you know, protective bubble as a Christian. You can be right smack dab in the middle of God's will and still experience tremendous difficulty and hardship. And, absolutely, you know, when I talk to women or my husband and I, as we pastor, you know, you know I'm just curious and I want to talk about your experience um, as a survivor, but I want to stay there for just a minute on what you were just sharing. So many people get stuck when things don't go the way they think, quote unquote, they should, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? We have this idea, well, I've followed God's will. I listened, I obeyed and X, Y, or Z happened. And you've been able to get unstuck. You've been able to keep pushing through. And and I wonder a suggestion you would offer from your own life experience. So those are saying, you know, I, I just don't know how to move past that place. Things just did not unfold the way I was hoping and believing and praying there would. What has really helped you to move past those places in your life? Well, I would have to say knowing the character of God. You know, the Bible's very
1: clear that with man, You know, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I knew that if I were to give up on God, I would have no hope. And and what I've tried to help people understand since then is this. Anytime we give up on God, we're giving up on everything. So we really need to press in and let God be the Lord and the leader of our lives. Mm.
0: That's really powerful. Anytime we give up on God, we give up on everything. So to know that no matter how difficult something might seem, you can give up on a lot of things, but don't give up on God. Give up right. something else, give up something that might be a, an obstacle or a hindrance, but don't give up on God. And and I'm sure when you went through this just major health crisis, um, you know, event in your life, that was another possibly tempting season for you to give up on God. Can you share what happened? I don't know that I've ever personally talked to someone who is a survivor of sudden cardiac arrest syndrome. And my understanding, Pamela, is that you actually died and then were revived. And I would love to hear more about what happened in that, in that time frame.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, what happened for me as I was Arriving on the tennis courts to play a foursome with some ladies I hadn't met before. We all had one mutual friend. And the three of us then were meeting each other that day for the first time. And I thought I was just nervous because I had uh, a sense of, oh, indigestion. And and just I thought I was just nervous because I wanted to do a very good job so that they would invite me back. I wanted to have a regular opportunity to play (laughs) tennis. Um, We went out on the court to warm up and I hit my first ball into the fence. Not the net, but the fence. And then we continued to warm up and I hit my ball over to Debbie. I was supposed to be hitting my ball over to Jill and so I went cross court and it was, it was very embarrassing. We weren't warmed up for very much at all when I realized I was quite short of breath and I just wanted to sit down. I was embarrassed by the way I was playing, and I just wanted to sit down and collect my thoughts. I just felt my mind had gotten the better of me. But after I sat down for a little bit of time, my symptoms actually continued to worsen. So I let the ladies know that I needed to leave, and that I really wanted them to continue to play a threesome at least. (laughs) I'd already disrupted the game. Uh, It turned out I, at this particular point in time, I had brand new medical insurance, so I hadn't even established a primary care position yet. I walked off the courts and Terry was following me. She wanted to drive me to my doctor. And when I got to my car, I was getting dizzy and I, not to be um, offensive, but I I threw up. And so when Terry again offered to drive me to the doctor, I conceded. I walked over to get into her car, which was a little red sports car that was immaculate. And I knew I would feel confined in this vehicle. And I thought, no, there's no way I can get in that car. So I walked back over. To the shade, the sidewalk was damp, it was early morning, and all I wanted to do was lay down on the sidewalk. Well, about this time, Jill and Debbie came off the courts wondering what's going on because Terry's been gone for so long, and they decided they would call 911. Now, the whole story has been told several times. In fact, I've got it available on my website, at least in part. Focus on the Family also played the story. But in short order, what happened was in six minutes and 21 seconds, the paramedics arrived on scene. And when they arrived, they began administering advanced life support. Uh, I could hear the paramedic, Jeff, calling out what the doctor was instructing him to do. And I was injected with two doses of 50 cc's of lidocaine, which was an effort to try to get my heart in a proper rhythm. After this, when my heart did not respond, then they decided to defibrillate me. Um, there's a lot of humor to this dramatic story, believe me, and I do encourage people to go to my website and, and hear it. But for the sake of our time today, Angela, they defibrillated me one time with 200 joules of power, and my body, my heart responded. So in the time between I was gone for about one minute, and I felt my spirit go to what I call the threshold of heaven. Uh, There was a thin white light off in the distance, but it didn't beckon me, which was fine. And wherever I was, I knew I was in the center of God's sovereign care. There was no sense of an external, but I knew I was in the center of God's sovereign care and the peace and the euphoria and the, the I can't, there are no human words to properly describe what I felt. I knew I was a wife and mother. But I knew my husband and my children were in God's hands too. I was in a perfect peace where I was. And after they defibrillated me, I could feel my spirit being drawn back to my body. And Greg Brinkley, who happened to be an African-American man, was calling my name. He's saying, Pam, Pam, are you with us? Pam, come back. And again, my spirit was being drawn back to my body. They then rushed me to the hospital. I was in the hospital for eight days. They never did find out what caused it. I want the listeners to know that my heart was observed beating in excess of 300 beats per minute. Oh, wow. And on a good day of tennis at full exertion, maybe 195 beats per minute for for me. Hmm. Um, I'm truly a miracle. And as I was in the hospital for the eight days, they never found what caused it. Uh, They wanted to because with medical science, of course, they want to be able to prevent these things in the future. So to this very day, and, and that occurred in 2002, to this very day, I am not restricted. I do not have to watch my diet or take any medications. And I still play tennis with Jill, one mm. of the ladies that was there that day.
0: Wow, what an amazing story. And I'm curious, in a different way, I've come through some major health crisis. And, you know, when you are, have a brush near near-death experience of any kind, it it can't help but change you. And I'm curious to know, that's been, what, 18 years now, what, at least one way do you feel like God shifted something in your life because of what happened?
1: What I was able to experience twofold. One was the, the fragility of life. Our life is very, very fragile. True. And number two, I had a personal experiential time, if you will, I I experienced the Lord in a dimension and in a way that I had never had before being there at the threshold of heaven. So I experientially have a confidence that heaven exists and God is who he says he is. With those two factors, I had to return to my life and, and my life's purpose and effort with greater intensity than ever. Because not one of us knows the moment our life is going to be taken from us. True. It could be taken just simply stepping off of a curb and a car hitting us. We don't know. And so there's an urgency and a pressing and intensity that I have about me now that I didn't have before. And I very much want to spend every moment of my days uh, busy about my father's business, helping other people discover and live in the same life-giving truth I've been blessed to find because of the faith in
0: Jesus Christ. Mm, wow! And I'm curious. Were, were you already writing? I know you've written a number of books and resources. Had you written any prior to that experience? No, not at all. In fact, really? I never
1: wanted to be an author.
0: Really? Um, so that's a yeah. major
1: shift. Yeah, I never wanted to be an author. I knew how much work goes into writing a book and the editing
0: process and all Amen. of that. I didn't want to do it. Amen, sister. <laughs> From one <laughs> author to another, right? And all the authors said, amen. (laughs) Right, right. A
1: chorus of amen. Yes. Um, But what happened for me is one day, it was approximately 2012, I read an article by ABC News that had the title, Americans are surprisingly flexible about matters of religious faith. And I expected that I would read that we don't mind having people from different religions living in our country. But that's not at all what I read, Angela. Instead. I read that people were taking tenets of different religious beliefs and creating a religion, quote-unquote, of their own preference.
0: Mm. And there were
1: even names for it. If it was Buddhism and Judaism, it was Buju. If it's Christianity and Islam, it's Chrislam. And as I'm reading this article and realizing that these are intelligent people in positions of leadership and influence who are doing this and calling it religious faith, the the reality of how rampant deception is just hit me like a mac truck and i was angry and i was heartbroken mm. to think that so many people are so radically deceived and i sat down to write what i thought was going to be an op-ed piece and my fingers were flying on that keyboard as i was writing what i thought would be an op-ed piece the lord spoke to me it's going to be a book mm. and i thought okay fine god it can be a book and i just was continuing in my theory As I was writing the book, the Lord said it's going to be more than one book. And that's how the Faith to Live By book series was born. There are five books in the series today. The fifth book was just released April 15th, 2020. And there's a sixth book in the works. So when we are responsive to God, the adventurous life that we will live is nothing we can imagine.
0: Mm. And I know part of your kind of slant with those books is really helping people be prepared for the last days. And having come through this pandemic this year that the whole world experienced, I think more than ever, that's on the mind and hearts of people. Do you find that to be the case too?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I was brought to tears a day or two ago because the most recent book, uh, it's called Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today was actually written and completed in October of last year. Mm. But through a series of uh, different considerations, I-, I felt it shouldn't be released until April 15. The content of this book couldn't be more timely for people today, wow. given the COVID-19 pandemic worldwide, a worldwide event. I mean, it's mm. hard to get our mind around this. Yeah. But the content of the book is ideal for people in terms of the questions they have, the fear they have, the the desires to want to do whatever they can to be prepared. Um, In fact, this book is actually a sequel to the previous book, which was entitled Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's In Time Promises. Mm -hmm. So both of these books, especially today, um, are highly significant, and they've gotten tremendous endorsements and reviews. I am grateful, I'm grateful that I could do anything at all that could help other people and to think that both of these books are so timely and beneficial is, is very humbling.
0: You know, I was interviewing someone this week who's a local radio host and she was talking about the ways even she has seen Christian music that's being released now. It's like God was preparing some of these artists and songwriters of what the message we were going to need to hear and, and I love that about God, you know, yeah. he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's alpha and omega, meaning he's the beginning and the end. Right. So nothing is catching him by surprise. And the fact that he puts on people's hearts and spirits, listen, this is the message of the moment that I'm going to want you to share. I just find that to be just the mercy of God on display and and how you were obedient to that in this series. And, and I'm going to ask you to pray for our, our listeners in a moment, but tell us, you know, how they can connect with you, where they can find your resources, and anything else that maybe you want to share with our listeners today.
1: Oh, thank you for that. I do have my website and my blog, and I'm very pr- privileged to say that my blog has won two unsolicited awards for Christian education, and I mm-hmm. can't think of anything I'd rather be known for than solid Christian education.
0: Amen. And what is your blog focus on, Pamela? It's, it's also a faith blog. So okay. it's matters of Christian faith, uh, grow, how, to,
1: how to apply our faith, how to grow in faith, how to understand difficult seasons like we're in. And I do have a blog that I've recently written specific for this pandemic. Um, I believe that what we're in is a time of second chance hmm. all around the world. We know that ultimately Christ is going to return for his bride, and she's not going to have spot or blemish. If you look at the church today worldwide, we definitely are with spots and blemishes. Hmm. This is a second chance. This is a time that God has called us to be sequestered. So he has our personal attention so that we can speak to him. We can pray to him. We can have him examine us and just show us anything in us that needs to be corrected so that when we are released from our homes, we will go out in boldness and encourage and take back society for God we've got too many people too many christian people who have been apathetic in the workplace apathetic in in the various what has become to be called the seven mountains of society and i believe god's giving us a second chance and i've said it before angela that we have generations of people who are going to hell in a handbasket that's been woven by the church hmm. but god's given us a second chance right now to get out of our apathy, to awaken to the realities of the times in which we live, to awaken to the extent of the progression of evil, and to do what God has asked us to do for the glory of
0: Christ. Wow, I love that. I got goosebumps when you, that was really a prophetic word that you just shared. And I know you have prophetic gifting that, this is a time of second chance and God is a God of second chances. It's all throughout the old and the new Testament You know, he doesn't want anyone to perish. And, but the, the truth is we're all going to die. There's a day appointed that every one of us are going to die. And, we don't need to live in that fear you can sense the rampant fear mm-hmm. across our country and other nations and, and 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 i know none of us want to die we want to live our lives to the fullest and with our families but if we understand we all are going to die and let's not focus so much on this temporary body in this temporary season we have, but how can we make the most impact for the for eternity? Because eternity is what is gonna last forever. Mm -hmm. This is a blink of an eye. And so if we can make a shift right now in our actions, in our in our choices, and, and as you were talking a minute ago, I thought about when Paul wrote to the book you know, to Galatia, the book of Galatians, you know, he, he was pleading with them, who has bewitched you mm-hmm. with this other gospel that you are now immersed in this contamination, like you said, this mixed bag of, let me take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, like we're making, you mentioned food and recipes. It's like we make our own recipe mm-hmm. of the gospel. And God is saying, I want a pure gospel. I want a pure church to return back to we could easily be deceived and not
1: aware. It's important that we on a regular basis, even those of us who believe we have found truth, to examine what we believe on a regular basis because just living in this fallen world, we are subject to philosophies and ideals and and culture that is contrary to the word of God. So So it's important that we do everything we can, as you said, to keep ourselves pure and to get back to God's original intention for us to live
0: holy lives. Look at what happened because of this near death for you actually dying, God reviving you for such a purpose, for such a kingdom purpose to be able to share biblical truth and, and to, to to rally really around the heart cry of, of God, which is the great commission and not seeing anyone lost. So I'm so grateful for just your, you know, you running the race that God has called you to. And I'm honored to kind of, you know, run alongside of you. (laughs) And, and as we just want to see people come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. So thank you, Pamela, for just blessing our listeners share again how they can connect with you. And I'll, of course, include all that in my show notes. And then I would just love to invite you to pray over our listeners today.
1: All right. My website is Pamela Christian Ministries, plural, Pamela Christian Ministries.com. There's a contact form there. Uh, there's probably more
0: information there than anybody wants concerning <laughs> me and my ministry. I'd love for you to just pray for our listeners today.
1: Heavenly Father, how we thank you for who you are. We praise you and we bless you by your name because there's none higher. Thank you that not only are you ultimate and supreme over all, but you are intimate and personal with each one of us who seeks you. You promise that any one of us who seeks you will find you. And so, Lord, I ask that every listener to this podcast will choose to seek you, whether they know you already or not, they will choose to seek you more and more and they will be caught up in who you are confident that you love them and blessed because you provide lord let us not lose sight of any of this thank you for demonstrating your love in the person of jesus may we live our lives in
0: ways that are worthy to glorify him thank you so much for joining our conversation i'd love to stay connected so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at Angela BOV and Instagram at Angela AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.